0: Today, we're gonna do something counterculture. We're gonna honor our vets. I want you to take, yes, absolutely. I want you to take a look at this video of Dan Evans. I've known Dan 20 years. He serves in our LifePoint Kid ministry in the security end. And he is a Silver Star recipient a Purple Heart recipient, and a whole lot of other honors from our military. And so I wanna show this to honor our vets. Take a look at this.
1: When I was 19, I was walking around downtown Indianapolis and walked by the recruiting station and saw Uncle Sam pointing and said, I want you. I decided to go in after in there talking to the recruiters, I decided to enlist. After my training, I found myself assigned to the 101st Airborne Division in Vietnam, where I was with Alpha Company. From there, we were dispersed out to different operation areas. then there was my first sergeant named Fred Bander, a man above man, a man that led by example. He would never ask you to do anything that he couldn't do or wouldn't do. I recall for a sudden Bander assaulting a machine gun position because they had pinned down some of our soldiers in a rice paddy. He went around the side and assaulted this machine gun position, shouting, I'll teach you to hold my men down. And he knocked out that machine gun position. That was the type of guy sergeant there was. Then there came Larry Mice who was our medic. Everyone called him Doc Mice. If you were wounded he would he would uh, take care of your wounds. If there were no wounds, he was fighting like an infantryman. When I was wounded, Larry was right there managing me up, getting me to extra uh, treatment if treatment was needed. While on patrol, we, we surrounded this position, and the position we were we had surrounded had a panoramic view of the area. We could not move up on them, but we were in an entrenched area that we had been dug. We all tried to find ways to get at this person. I recall being behind this tree. It's a big tree, and I was coming up out of this trench with my weapon in position to fire, and as I came up, water hit me in the face. And because I know God was with me there, he pulled me away from the position the way that person was fired. Kept me from getting hit because I would have been hit in the head, they came that close. During my years in Vietnam, I made many friends. I lost a couple of those two, those friends through natural death but I have about eight friends, seven eight friends that we constantly communicate with each other to this day. I would love to tell everybody who served our country, first off, thank you. And for those of you that may be thinking about serving, I think it's a good thing. I served in the military for 24 and a half years. After retiring, I moved to the Dallas area and went to work for Electronic Data Systems. We moved up here. was trying to find a church home. My wife came here first to visit, enjoyed it. So we both saw it coming and we've been coming ever since.
0: Yeah. I've known Dan for 20 years. I've seen him serve in this church faithfully week after week after week. And it wasn't until about a year ago, a little over a year ago, that his wife told me, he says, did, did you know that Dan was in the service? I said, no, I never knew that. And he says, and he was a Silver Star Medal recipient. And I think that's so characteristic of our vets. They're generally humble men, humble men and women who don't like to draw attention to themselves, but. We're doing something counterculture, and if you are a vet, and you've served this country, I want you to know we are with you, and if you could stand, we want to give you a round of applause, okay? So go ahead and stand up. Look at them. Look at these men and women. This is awesome. Thank you. If you guys would like, there's another vet in our church. He's a... fifth-wheeling it all across the United States, Rex Gooch. He's written a book, um, and I want to give it to you, okay? Uh, so if you'll go out and just let the receptionist in the lobby know that you want a book, they'll get your name, email address, and I'm going to order these books for you, and you can pick them up probably next, next weekend, so that would be great. I can't think of a more appropriate topic for you and I to talk about today in light of Veterans Day weekend, than to talk about peace. Truly God has enlisted us to be his peace agents in a world that is just filled full of war, that is filled full of conflict. Several weeks ago, I kicked off the series called Ordinary People in a Wrecked World. And I gave the definition of this peace plan that God has called us to be a part of. And that is ordinary people. Not super saints, not super spiritual people, not super giants, but ordinary people who are empowered by God, making a difference together wherever they are. And we discussed that this peace plan occurs in three arenas that there is personal peace, there is local peace, and then there is global peace. Personal peace happens in your ministry to the people that are in your relational world, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. Local peace is your ministry with other people in our church to our community, like outrun homelessness. And then global peace is where our church ministers with other churches throughout the world. Now, this peace plan addresses five things, five global giants, five major problems that exist in our wrecked world. And I want to give those to you right up front. The first one, the first giant and this is no surprise to us because this is what brings war into our world that wrecks it, which is spiritual emptiness. Billions of people live without hope. They live without knowing the love of God. They don't know that God has pardoned their past, has given them a purpose uh, in the present, purpose for living in the present, and a a place in heaven in the future. They don't know that life is preparation for eternity. This may shock you, but in the next 365 days, 54 million people will die. And most of those people will die going into eternity without Christ. This is the biggest global giant that plays havoc in our world. It is spiritual emptiness. Until you and I can get reconciled with God, we're not gonna be able to be reconciled with each other. Spiritual emptiness. The second global giant, and this one may surprise you, is egocentric leadership. Leadership that is self-serving, that thinks that everybody should be serving them instead of them serving other people. And the whole goal is for them just and we've experienced this this past week, is just to get reelected so they can continue to maintain power. And yet Jesus, when he walked on this earth, says leadership is not about getting people to serve you. It is about you getting to serve other people. If you ever have a desire to be great, you must be a servant of all. The problem is that in our world, it is filled with corrupt unethical, greedy, self-centered leaders, and they are everywhere. They are in business. They are in academia. They are in even HOAs. Right. (laughs) Truly, most people are not spiritually mature to handle power. They don't have the character or the courage or the conviction or the compassion to influence. Think about this, in the last 50, I don't know, 60 years, the United States has given billions of dollars to the continent of Africa, and yet today it is worse off than it ever has been before. Our country has given billions of dollars to Haiti, even through some of the recent earthquakes and tsunami, or not tsunamis, but hurricanes that have come through. And today, they are worse off than they were, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. Why is that? It's because the money ends up in the pocket of unethical leaders, corrupt leaders. And so the world desperately needs leaders who have conviction and character, and courage, and compassion to make a difference using their influence as well as their affluence for other people. This is the second biggest global giant that plays havoc in our world. And to be honest with you, from this one flow the other three. The third global giant is this extreme poverty. Over half the world lives on less than $2 a day. Now, folks, this is hard for us to understand because we live in the Plano bubble, right? I mean, we not only have our needs met, but we've got it way beyond that, okay? Uh, We have excess. And so it is hard for us to understand that people wake up in this world wondering if they're gonna make it the next day. They, They wake up wondering where the next meal is going to come from. Over 3 billion people live in extreme poverty off of less than $2 a day. Cameroonians, it's $4 a day. How can you make it with less than 2 bucks a day? You can't. The fourth major problem that plays havoc in our world is pandemic diseases. Diseases that are spreading rapidly throughout the world because of famine and drought which, by the way, weakens billions of bodies. And what's interesting is that these pandemic diseases, the cures for them were discovered, and the preventions of them were discovered in the 19th century. What is wrong with that picture? Well, what is wrong with that picture where, where the cures and the preventions to these diseases were discovered in the 19th century? I'll tell you what that picture is. It's, it's, it's a picture where our it's a picture of leaders not having the courage to say, you know what? Enough is enough. This is unacceptable. Folks, we know the cures to leprosy. We know the cures to typhus, yellow fever, malaria, measles, mumps, and leprosy. Do you know what the number one cause of death is to children throughout the world? Diarrhea. Diarrhea. And yet we know the cures and the preventions to it. It's not rocket science. We just don't have the leadership to say enough is enough. This is unacceptable. And so we have pandemic diseases. The fifth global giant that plays havoc in our world is crippling illiteracy. Half the world does not know how to read and write Without the ability to read and write, I mean, who is gonna be able to make it in the 21st century? No one. We talk about the information age and how it is exploding, but if you don't know how to read and how to write, well, then guess what? You're not gonna be able to make it. It's, it, it it's, in one sense, it's worthless. The reality is these five problems are so big that nobody has been able to solve them. No government. No government. The United States has not been able to solve these. The UN has not been able to solve these. Businesses has not been able to solve these. Government hasn't been able to solve these. Why is that the case? When these things have been known for several hundred years, it's because there is one thing that has not been deployed. And that is the millions and millions and millions of churches in every nook and cranny throughout the world. Let me ask you this. Do you think God might expect his church with his people to use a tiny sliver, a one, uh, one talent to address these five global giants? Do you think God is going to give you and I an excuse because we live in the Collin County Plano bubble of not offering at least one talent to make a difference? I don't think so. God, one day, is gonna hold you and I accountable. What did you do with what I gave you? Several weeks ago, I made mention of the fact that God wants us to make a difference with our life, that he wants you and I to leave this place better off than the way we found it and the peace plan is a way for us to do that personally locally and globally now here's the challenge that i as i think of it life is short i think we'd all agree with that right life is man it's here today and gone tomorrow and when we look at these huge problems it can be overwhelming it can be overwhelming. It can be depressing. How in the world can I, as a one-talent person, make a difference when other governments haven't been able to, when other organizations like the UN haven't been able to? Well, folks, I just happen to believe that God gets most of the glory when we take on big problems, just like David and Goliath. When David took on Goliath, there was... He's a runt, he's a one-talent guy. And yet when he slew him, what what were the people's reactions? Yay, God, wow, look at that. And I believe that God wants to use the church to make a difference personally, locally, and globally in taking on problems so that he gets the glory. And there are eight reasons, eight motivations I want to give you today to kind of pump you up, to help you realize what God has given you in the way of the church to handle these global problems that bring havoc into our world. The first one is this the church has the largest participation. There are 2.2 billion Christians. That is one-third of the world. That is larger than China. Nothing comes close to the size of the church. Folks, it is huge. You don't know. Oftentimes, we don't realize this because the media never plays this up. Think about this. Almost every weekend in America, 100 million people go to church. That is more people than... than than those who attend sporting events, all the sporting events in the same weekend. There's 50 times more people who attend church on a Sunday or a Saturday, Saturday or Sunday, than all the people that attend a sporting event in one weekend, and yet, we never hear about that, do we? No, not at all, but Monday morning, guess what? There's a sports section, okay? But there's no church section. Hey, I just want you to know, 5,000 people gave their lives to Christ. They scored a touchdown with God. These, this, this many ministries were started. This many people are getting involved. No, you never hear about it. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Through Christians like yourselves, one-talent Christians, gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. Folks, it's impacting heaven. The second motivating factor is this. It has the widest distribution. Take a look at Colossians 1 verse 6. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing. Folks, I could take you to places throughout the world, to tiny villages like in Vietnam, to a church of 25 lepers. I could take you there. And there is no medical facility There is no post office, there is no hospital, but guess what, there's a church. I could take you to Nigeria, into a tiny village, and there is no post office, there's no medical facility, there's no hospital, but there's a church. I could take you to Cameroon. When I was in Cameroon, they took me about 50 miles outside the city, and it was outside the city to a little village, maybe about 500 people or so. And there was no post office and there was no government facility or or hospital. But there was a church of 70 people. The church is bigger than McDonald's. It is bigger than Starbucks. It is bigger than Walmart. It is the biggest franchise everywhere. When there is a disaster, oftentimes the first responders to that disaster is the church. We got two trailers sitting out on the parking lot and I've been thinking about those things. I look at those things, they've been sitting there for a year and a half, maybe a couple of years now. And I think, what if we filled those things up with rescue things, chainsaws, ladders, diapers, water, so that if there was a disaster in our area, we could come together and we could have a life point rescue team Yes, absolutely. And I think of that, I said, God, I want to make that happen. I want to make that happen because it's the church that makes a difference. You just read the papers when they're natural, the church is in there. And yet we don't get any press. Third, it is the longest continuation. The church has has been around 2,000 years. It, it is not some fly by night organization. I don't know if you realize this or not, but it, it, I don't know of any relief organization that has been around or that's older than the church. And not only that, the church is eternal, it's indestructible. Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, folks, I'm no prophet of the future, okay? But my guess is this, 2,000 years from now, if human beings still exist on this earth, the church will be here. Everything else will be gone. What we know of the United States, folks, will not be as, as we know it. It'll be different if it even exists. But the church will be here, why? Because God created it to be eternal. And so it has the longest continuation. The fourth one is it has the fastest expansion. It is faster than government and it is faster than business. You probably don't realize this, but 60,000 people a day come to to know Christ personally. Churches are being started every day. They are growing rapidly this, was true to, this is true today, and it was true back in the first century. Take a look at Acts 6, 6-1. The believers rapidly multiplied. Acts 16, 5. The churches grew daily in numbers. This is called exponential growth. Now, why is this so important? Because if you have a problem that's growing rapidly, you must have a solution that is growing more rapidly. If you're going to stop pandemic diseases that are spreading rapidly throughout the world due to drought and famine and other things, then you must have a solution that is growing faster in it. The church has the fastest expansion. The fifth motivational factor that just pumps me up is that the church has the highest motivation. What do I mean by that? Why? Simply this, the reason we do what we do isn't for ma- money, fame and money. We do it out of love. It is about love. It is about the great commandments, isn't it? We do outrun homelessness, not to get credit, not to get fame or fortune from that. No, we do it out of love, loving God and loving other people. Folks, we got recognized as an IPC, one of 17 churches by Saddleback, because we're taking on a whole nation. One church discipling thousands of churches in Cameroon, but we didn't do that to get any fame. In fact, I didn't really even want to receive the, 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 uh, the plaque for it. I thought, we just do what we do. I, I, I give, give it to God. One day he'll honor. I want his honor, okay? I don't need man's honor. I do this because of love for God and love for other people. Now, why is that important? Because if you don't have the right motivation, I don't care what you do, if you don't have the right motivation, when it gets tough, you're going to get discouraged and you're going to quit. But the Bible says love never fails. Love keeps on keeping on. What is amazing to me, over the six, seven months, maybe eight now, and just... Getting to know the pastors and the bishops in Cameroon. Victor, you know Pastor Victor from last weekend. I talk with him, you know, I don't know, Skype, whatever, that stuff, on a regular basis, that our hearts have grown together. And he loves LifePoint. And I love Cameroonians. The sixth motivation, reason, is that we have the strongest authority. Now, what do I mean by that? Simply this, that God has authorized you and he's authorized the church to do these things. And what God has authorized, he's gonna make sure it's gonna be successful. Take a look at the Great Commission right here. Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations and surely I am with you always. And it goes on even to the ends of the age. Folks, this is important. It is important to know that God is with you because when you understand that God has authorized this, then you know he's behind you and you know that he's gonna give you the power to do it. Ordinary people, one talent people, empowered by God. When you understand that God has authorized it, folks, you've got an awareness, he's behind me and he's going to give me what's needed to make sure the job gets done. Take a look at Ephesians 3 verse 20. With God's power working in us, God can do much more than anything we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church. God comes along and he says this to you. Think of the biggest thing that you want think of the biggest thing that you want to do for me. And I will top it. But, circle this, in the church. God wants the church to get the glory. He doesn't want business to get the glory. He doesn't want government to get the glory. Folks, when you and I get into heaven and God starts passing out all the crowns and all the glory, he's not going to pa- pass it out to HP. He's not going to pass it out to Toyota. Toyota. He's not going to pass it out to Liberty Mutual or, or, or State Farm. He's going to pass it out to the church. In the ch- God wants to give glory and honor to his bride. This is my bride. This is what I'm proud of. Thank you. The seventh reason, motivation, is that it has the simplest administration. And what I mean by that is, is that the church, or what I mean by that is that the church is organized, networked, so it can move rapidly without a lot of bureaucracy. And let me give you the this organizational chart in one phrase. Every member a minister. The organizational chart of the church is every member is a minister. God has equipped everyone with a shape, with a spiritual gift, with a heart, with abilities, with a personality, with experiences in life. God has given everyone at least a one-talent shape. And he says, now go out and do what you can to get this job done. And this organization is decentralized, where there are no bottlenecks. Think of it, billions of Christians millions of small groups and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of churches going out, taking on the giants without having to get any authorization except from Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus has already given it. I'm telling you, I've been authorized on heaven and earth. I want you to go, go for it. And so we not only have the long or largest participation, the widest distribution, the longest uh, continuation, the fastest expansion, the highest motivation, the strongest authorization, and the simplest administration. But finally, we have the greatest conclusion. We win. We win. We, We know how history is going to end. And God says, guess what? The church wins. Take a look at this in Matthew 24, verse 14. The good news about God's kingdom will be preached. Stop right there. Circle, will be. Not, might be. Folks, it will be. It will happen. As as sure as you and I are sitting here right now, it will be. It will be what? In all the world. Stop right there. Circle the word all. Not Not some of the world, all of the world. In every nation. Stop right there. Circle every. Not just some of the nations. Every nation. Then the end will come. Several weeks ago I made mention of the fact whatever you're anxious about, your marriage, your health, your job situation, remember the phrase of the song, I've got the whole world in my hands. God has the whole world in his hands. He's got you, brother, in his hands. He's got you, sister, in his hands. Whatever concerns you, understand that God is in control. And if he says it will, it will. Now in light of these advantages, here's my question. What is the potential of solving these problems when billions of Christians and millions of small groups and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of churches get mobilized to attack these five giants that are playing havoc in our world. What is the chances of them being solved when billions of Christians One-talent Christians take a little bit of what they have to offer, and they go after it. Do you think it would make a difference? I think so. Would it make a difference if you and I, over the next six weeks or so, as we're in this series, during the holidays, that we prayed for peace? I think it would make a difference. Would it make a difference if we gave just a little bit? That's my challenge. In the holiday season, November or December, that whatever you give in a month's time, you double it. And that extra amount, you write, this is for missions. Would that make a difference, do you think? Do you think we could fill up those, those trailers there? I think so. I think it would make a difference. I hope that they never get used. But I'll be sure glad that we, we had them filled when that opportunity comes. would it make a difference if you go? Some of us are on the shorter end of the stick. What are you waiting for? Honestly, God has called you and I to go. Go, leave a legacy for your kids. As they tell stories about you, oh, I can remember mom and dad in their final years, how they didn't retire, but they re-enlisted. Yeah, they retired. Retirement is good. We all need to retire. But you don't retire. You re-enlist. And mom and dad, they just went at it. They went to Cameroon. They went to Haiti, giving their lives away, making a difference. Do you think that would make a difference in your kids' lives and in your grandkids' lives? and maybe your grand great-grandkids lives that you probably will never see. I think so. We look at these giants and we think our little can't make that much of a difference. And yet when we hear about the size of the church, folks we go, "Wow, I think I think it can happen." I want you in your bulletin. There's this card This is my last week that I'm gonna push this. But I want you to put this in a prominent place. Maybe on your refrigerator. Great place to put it during the holiday season as you go there to get some leftover turkey or whatever. But just use this to pray. God, I wanna pray for peace. God, would you have me give towards missions during the holiday season? God, should I go? And if I go, what should I be a part of? Because in this next year, folks, we're gonna be putting teams together together. It's not a church-to-church partnership that we have. It is a church to thousands of churches that's going to be happening as we lay the purpose-driven model out over this next year. So what's the plan? Well, the plan is called peace. And in the next several weeks, we're going to be taking a look at it from the angle of, local, or of personal. And you might ask the question, what is the peace plan. Where does it come from? Well, that's a good question. It comes from Luke chapter 10, where Jesus sends out for the very first time 70 people. And he tells them, I want you to go into these villages, and I want you to find the man of peace. There's the phrase. I want you to find the man of peace. And when you find that man of peace, I want you to inform him of what you are doing. And if he is all for it, go for it. If he doesn't want it, then move on because there's always somebody in the world that wants to bring peace in their locality. Now, who is this person of peace? This person of peace is a person who is open and influential. They don't even have to be a Christian. They just have to be open and influential. When Jesus sent out the 72, these villages, folks, there were no Christians back then. But there were people who were open to what Jesus was doing and they were influential. And he told his disciples, I, if they're open and they're influential, you stay there. So what is this pan, plan of peace? Well, it's in your bulletin. It is an acrostic, P-E-A-C-E. P stands for promoting reconciliation and planting churches. This attacks the global giant of spiritual emptiness. E is for educate, or E is for equipping servant leaders. This attacks the global giant of egocentric leadership. A is about assisting the poor. This attacks the global giant of extreme poverty. C is care for the sick. This attacks the global giant of pandemic diseases. And E stands for educating the next generation. This attacks the global giant of illiteracy. But let me ask you this. Are these things pertinent to our life personally? Do you know of anybody who doesn't know Jesus? They're in conflict with him, and as a result, it's hell on earth being around them, and their marriages are falling apart? I think we all would say, yeah. Do we know of any egocentric leaders? Don't look at me like that. Do we know of poverty yeah it's not pandemic here folks we live in america right even our poor are better off than three-fourths of the world but yeah there's poverty here y- you go out there and we've got love packs okay you know why we have those it's for the kids that they only get two meals a day because they go to school you can't believe that that's its, by the way the zip code is 75025 that's our community and we're putting them together so that during the, ho- the Thanksgiving break, they'll at least have two, two meals during, during this break. We're going to do it for Christmas as well. Yeah, poverty exists here. Well, what about sick? Do you know any sick people? Most of my cards that I get on a Sunday morning is just filled. George, will you pray for mom and dad? George, will you pray for this friend? I prayed for someone this morning who has lip cancer, the bad kind. Sickness is around. We're going to talk about these things and how you and I can personally be agents of peace to people who are going through these kinds of things. But today, I want us to take a look at P, promoting reconciliation. This one I believe most people are the most nervous about. Sharing their story and Christ's stories to other people's stories to other people so that they can have peace with God and peace with others. And what I wanna do in just a few minutes is I wanna share with you how Cheryl and I have done this over the years by using the blessing in a box. And this is how you do it. First thing is you pray. And you come together and pray. Yes, you can pray individually. But remember, God says, where I'm at, there's power. And Jesus says, I want you to know that I'm with you and that I'm behind you in this. So I want you to come together and pray. Take a look at Matthew 18, 20. Where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. And so you come together and you begin to pray for people who need to be personally reconciled to God. They may be in your family. They may be your neighbors. They may be your coworkers. They could be anybody, but you come together. I want to encourage you during this holiday season to be praying with your spouse. Over these people. To be praying with your families over these people. To be praying in your small groups over these people. If you're single and you're not in a group, link up with another single and just start. Hey, I want us to pray for this person. Prayer God uses to move in us so he can move in other people. Secondly, share your story and the good news. Share your story and the good news. Always start with your story. Always start with something personal about you or your family and how you are a satisfied customer. You, you can write them a little note and put this in the box and say, I just want you to know, Bob and Sue, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. And you know, we've been going to Life Point Church, and it's really changed our life because the pastor is so funny. Share something personal about you, your family, that, telling them, you know what? I'm a part of Life Point Church. That's telling your story. Now, you may be sitting here and thinking, okay, George, I-, I can share or write a little note, put it in the box, give it to my neighbor, whatever. But what about the good news? I mean, hello, I, you know, I know it, but I can't do that. The Jesus film is in the box. This DVD has eight different languages. If you've got Indian neighbors, it'll work. If you've got Hispanic neighbors, this'll work. Eight different languages. This is the gospel. It comes out of the book of Luke. It was made by Bill Bright of Campus Crusade. It has seen 80 million people come to Christ in the last few years. And you can give it. This was given to Ben DeBusk and Lisa, 10 years before they gave their life to Christ. It was given to them, and they put it on their their shelf. And then 10 years later, God began to work, and they took a look at it, and it was a tool that God used to help them come to know Christ. Because you might think, well, they'll never look at something like this. They may not, the day that you give it to them, or the next day, or the first weekend, but that's not your responsibility. Yours is just to give it. And God in his way, circumstantially will work. And they may pick it up 10 years later and look at it. and Bam! You get credit. And so you share the good news. And then lastly, you give the gift. Next weekend, we're gonna give these blessings in a box. It's the weekend before Thanksgiving right and to make it personal I want to encourage you to make some cookies or some pumpkin bread and put it in the box that's why we're giving it out next weekend Thanksgiving it's the you guys are going to be cooking as you cook that pumpkin bread put a loaf in there and tie the loaf to Pastor George okay that would be very important to do Make some cookies and put it, put it in the box and, and tie those cookies to Pastor George. I love cookies during the holidays, okay? I love cookies all the time. Make it personal and give the gift. This is goof-proof, folks. This is promoting reconciliation. And it is goof-proof. Take a look at this last verse as we close. 1 Corinthians 3, 8 and 9. The one who plants and the one who waters works as a team with the same purpose. Yet they will be rewarded individually according to their own hard work. We work together as partners who belong to God. We'll use circle one. It's mentioned twice. That's the individual. Circle team that's the church. And then circle God. There are not only three places that you and I bring peace, personal, local, and global, but there are three partners. There's God, and there's the church, and there's you. And when you and I do what we can with the one talent that, we, that God has given us in our shape, folks, it will make a difference. Let's pray. Dear Father, you are awesome. You are great. You knew of the church eons before we even came into existence. And you created this spiritual family that would be a force to be reckoned with in this world that could never be destroyed because you created it to last forever. And I thank you that we are on a winning team. May the eyes of our heart be opened and enlightened that we might see who you are And the wisdom that you have and that you have revealed through the ages, through your church. And may we be those who are grateful and thankful that we are a part of it. God, as we come into this holiday season, it is so easy to get caught up in the hustle and bustle of everyday life. And God, it is a fun time. And we're gonna celebrate, I know, in our families and as a spiritual family, but God, may we, may we not forget the people that you've placed us with, that we might be an influence, that we might use our leadership to influence them for their good and for your glory, God. May we be used of you, God, to touch many people this season maybe introducing them to Christ, giving this gift, trusting you that you'll use it some way, somehow down the road. God, this is what our dream is. And we ask you to do it because you've authorized us. And so God, we're gonna be obedient and we're gonna follow you. And so we lift this up to you, God. We want you to be glorified in your church. In your son's precious name, we pray. Amen.